Good evening, everybody, and welcome. Today, we're going to be continuing the introduction to Shar Habitacha in the Gate of Trust. This is our third class going through the introduction. And we're currently, the introduction shares with us 10 benefits that someone who has Bitachain has. And in the, the first benefit was, there's a spirit of calmness, a spirit of tranquility. You're able to breathe deeply. You're able to fill up your whole body with air because it's in Hashem's hands. The second benefit was, that I'm not worried to be honest with someone else. I don't worry that that person controls my life. If I'm going to say something not politically correct, I'm going to lose my job. Because it's in Hashem's hands. I truly rely on Hashem. And the third benefit, which is what we're, taught, what we're learning, what we're going to continue tonight is that a person who relies on Hashem is freed of all worries for his sustenance is guaranteed. That means you're, you're trusting, relying in Hashem, having bitachin in Hashem means what you need is going to come. And your security is greater than someone with the greatest financial security back 1,000 years ago in the times of Rabbeinu Bachai, the alchemist. And there's 10 advantages of someone with Bitochen over the alchemist. Last week, we learned the first seven. And tonight, we're going to continue with the last three and, and, and learn further. So the first seven benefits are the alchemist. Well, he needs chemicals. He needs tools. His success depends on the availability of specific materials. A person with bitacha, and you ever heard someone say, oh, I don't have my materials to trust in Hashem. You don't need anything. You just need yourself. You need your presence of mind. And, or as it says here, a person with bitacha is sustained by Hashem's limitless resources. The alchemist, he's doing dangerous things. It's physically dangerous. He's using dangerous chemicals. A person with bitachain, he's sustained in safe and pleasant ways. He doesn't have to go ahead to have bitachain. You don't have to go and deal with dangerous tools. You're able to live in a safe and pleasant way. An alchemist, what he's doing is illegal. He has to be secretive about his craft. A person with bitachin, they don't need to hide and say, I'm, I'm embarrassed to tell you that I rely on Hashem. No, they proudly discuss their faith. Number four, the alchemist is afraid to prepare large sums of money because who knows? Maybe there'll be a flood. Maybe someone's going to come and find my money. But someone who has bitachin is confident his needs will always be met in a timely fashion. doesn't have to worry if I have enough money today for tomorrow. You know, on that note, the Rebbe once spoke about the idea of life insurance. And it was, it was a very interesting conversation. But his, the conversation was just based around this point that Bitachin 
means that I trust Hashem will give me everything when I need it. Um, number five, so the alchemist, he, he's scared of people because if someone finds out what he does, he's going to be in trouble. Someone with Bitaqa, and he, he loves people. People love him. Number six, the alchemist, he could get sick like anybody else. But someone with Bitaqa, and we learn, is protected from ill health unless it is for his benefit. And number seven, what we, what we concluded last week, the alchemist has no guarantee he will find food to buy with his money, but a person with Bitaqa is always assured of sustenance from Hashem. So someone that trusts in Hashem, no matter what, Hashem will provide for them. Someone that has money, it doesn't always provide for them. And, and we are familiar with numerous stories in the times of the destruction of the Second Temple. Um, even in, in more recent times, when uh, there were these big crashes and people had, had a lot of bills, but those bills had no value. Um, am I correct to say, Mark, that during the times of the Great Depression, people had money, but it couldn't buy them anything? But they, but they, they also lost all their money. So you had, um, maybe not in this country, but in some countries in the world, you have uh, inflation, which drives the value of your money to next to nothing. So a loaf of bread costs a million dollars. So, yes, even if you could print money, it wouldn't, wouldn't be so valuable, even if you were this. Okay, let's jump now inside to the Sharhabi, to the introduction. And we're on page 11. The Hashmini, the eighth benefit of someone with trust, of with someone with Bitochen over the alchemist, is if you remember, we said previously, the alchemist is scared of people. That also means that he doesn't live in the same place. He's constantly running. He's like a, like a fugitive. He's constantly running from one place to the next. No one should find him. The Hashmini, the eighth manner in which one who has Bitochen is superior to the alchemist is that the alchemist is not able to remain in one place. Why? Out of fear that his secret will be revealed. He's constantly moving. He doesn't, he's not able to sleep well at night. On the other hand, one who trusts the Almighty is secure living in his land and has peace of mind living in the place in which he lives. Not only does he have peace of mind, we're going to learn. So not only is he not scared of people, but he's actually a blessing for people. His presence is a blessing for those that live next to him. So like the verse says, Trust in the Lord and do good. Dwell in the land and be nourished by faith. The Amar, and a second verse, The righteous shall inherit the land and dwell forever in it. So the person who trusts in Hashem, he, he's able to sleep well at night and stay where he lives. I forgot to mention, I forget, the, the item I mentioned now um, about the presence of uh, someone with Bitoche being a blessing to the community we're actually going to see later on. I jumped ahead. The Hachi. So the eighth benefit is that you're able to sleep at night well, staying in one place. You don't have to move from place to place. The Hachi, the ninth benefit of having Bitachon, 
Shebal Hakimia. Let me start this off. Baruch, Baruch, listen to this story. Let me start off the eighth item, the ninth item with a story. And I've shared this story before, <laughs> but, but it's just, it's a deal breaker. There was a man who was about to pass away and he calls over his children and he says, he was a very, very rich man, extremely rich, and he told his children, I have one request, and the one request is that you ensure I am buried with my socks. It's something, it's just, it's important to me that I should be buried with socks on my feet. And he passes away, and his children, they go to the rabbi, they start talking about what needs to be done, preparing the body. And they say, yeah, and we just want to ensure, you know, our dad had a request to make sure that his feet are going to be covered with socks. Uh, so just make sure that that happens. So the rabbi looks at them and he says, we can't, but we're not allowed to bury someone with socks on. So the children are like, one second, one second. This is the only request our dad had. You got to do this. There's no, you're gonna, we're gonna make it happen. What needs to happen? And the rabbi says, There's nothing we could do. We can't bury your dad with socks. And the children, truly, they were heartbroken. The one thing your dad asked. And okay, but they're gonna follow. That's what the rabbi said. They followed. And at the Shloshim, the day of the 30th, the 30th day from the burial, the father had written another letter. They take out the letter, they're all emotional, and they read it, and the letter says that 30 days ago you buried me without socks. And I asked that you should bury me with socks to share the message that nothing goes with you into the grave, not even your socks. In other words, all the money you make, because he was a very wealthy man, all the money you make, it's not going to go with you. It doesn't accompany you into the world to come. And that is the ninth benefit. Let's see it inside. Vachi, the ninth benefit, Shabala Kamiya, the alchemist. His brilliance of how to take silver and make it appear like gold is not going to accompany him at the end of his days. And even with his alchemy, what's he going to get in this world? Nothing. All he gains is that he's not going to be poor and he won't need to rely on other people. But that's it. He doesn't gain more than that ability to know that he has money. Again, we don't know if he'll be able to buy things with the money. He's living a very worrisome life. He's scared of people. And it's not going to go with him anywhere in the next world. But the ninth benefit of one who trusts in Hashem is Conversely, the one who has trust in the Almighty, the reward for his trust in the Almighty, will accompany him both in this world and in the world to come. Can Moshe Kosov, like the verse says, 
Of one who trusts in the Lord, kindness will encompass him. You're completely surrounded with the, with the kindness. It means in this world, you're completely surrounded with this energy of kindness. This energy of of, of bitachin, of trust, ve'amar. And the, also, the verse, another verse says, It's talking about the world to come. How great is your goodness that you have laid away for those who fear you. So you've laid it away. That means it's being stored for you in the world to come. So someone who has bitachin, someone who is an alchemist in this world, he just feels secure that he has money. Someone who trusts in Hashem in this world, he's completely surrounded in every detail of his life in this world and in the world to come. And now let's conclude the third benefit, which has 10 manners in which someone's better than the alchemist. The 10th manner is Vlasiri. Previously, we learned that the alchemist, he doesn't share his secret. That was one item. He is scared of people. He doesn't want, he doesn't want anyone to find out. He lives a life of loneliness. Now we're going to learn another item. And I want you to know, Yeshua, I think this is going to trigger your mind. Here we're going to learn that a healthy economy is is orchestrated by God. This is an incredible point. Mark, Mark, listen to this. I, I think it's going to be powerful. A healthy economy is something that Hashem puts in place. And someone who is a counterfeiter, they are going not only against the, the economy, they're going against Hashem. Very powerful. Very powerful. Again. Yes, Mark. So there are hundred between 185 and 190 countries in the world. Okay. So when we talk about that God creates a decent economy, a good economy. Yeah. It's not in every country in the world because everything is up and down and, and different ways of doing things. And surely God looks over every, I mean, borders of countries are just artificial lines in the sand. So when you say God creates a good economy, where and what does that mean? Yes, what I meant by that was that the idea of ha having healthy economic functions, that means that people are able to, to trade and uh, make money. And ultimately, like we're, like we're saying here, that they're not going to be counterfeiters, that people will will there'll be this cycle where everyone is participating in their way in the economy and the money's going around. Um, that is something that Hashem has set up the ability for it to happen. And so someone who steals, that's one thing. In other words, stealing is bad, but you're not destroying the foundation of the economy. A counterfeiter, he's destroying the foundation of a healthy economy. And therefore, we're going to learn here that the alchemist is actually responsible to Hashem in his deeds because he's actively destroying a healthy economy. And therefore, if people find out what he does 
and the idea of alchemy gets out there, so to say, if his secret gets out, then actually Hashem also uh, doesn't want that person to be alive anymore. Because again, revealing how to um, counterfeit is something that really uh, pains Hashem. Let's see that inside. For Asiri, the 10th manner, in which one who has bitachin is superior to the alchemist. If the secret of the alchemist becomes known to others, it will be the cause of his death. People finding out what you do and how you do it, that's going to be the cause, cause of his death. Listen to this. Why? For his efforts and his labor are contrary to the rules of nature. Therefore, God, the one who rules everything, will cause a ruler to rule over the alchemist who will kill him in the instance in which he's not able to conceal his secret. So the alchemist, he has a knowledge that, putting it kind of in, a, in funny terms, Hashem doesn't want people to know. And if he's going to reveal what he does and how he does it, then not only the ruler is going to be running after him, but Hashem is going to help the ruler because he's destroying the healthy economic functions of that country. Well, conversely, someone who trusts in Hashem, remember the final, the tenth manner in which the Boiteach Ba'ashem is better than the alchemist, Boiteach Ba'ashem. Conversely, regarding one who trusts in God, let's think about it. If people find out his trick, how he trusts in Hashem, wow, someone found out the book that he learned or someone found out how much time he spent, not only is the ruler not going to try and run after him, not only won't Hashem be happy, Hashem's going to be so pleased. He will become greater in the eyes of the people. And people will honor him. And not only will people honor him, people will be blessed just by being close to him. Or even just seeing him. Just the, his presence. The Wow. So some must be talking. His people will want to be close to him. Being close will be a blessing. And just see his, the sight of him will be a blessing. This is what I mentioned earlier. Not only will the king want, not want to kill him, this person with Bitacha and will push away harm from the people of his place. The Lidchais. Sorry, he will be the cause for improvement in his city. Additionally, he will push away harm from the people of his place of living. As it says in the verse, the righteous is the foundation of the world. And as we see by the story of Lot and so on. So we have a verse that says clearly that tzaddik is the foundation of the city. Anyone know the story of Lot and so on? You all know the story. Maybe you just don't recognize the names. Lot lived in Sodom. 
Sodom was a terrible city. They, they had uh, really cruel rules. Um, and unfortunately, Hashem said, it's time, it's time, Sodom needs to be destroyed. We learned a story in the beginning of, of the book of Bereshus, Genesis. So Avraham Avinu loads uncle Davins to Hashem. And he says, Hashem, please don't destroy, destroy these five cities of Sodom and the five surrounding cities. Please don't destroy them. He says, there must be 50 good people in the city. And Hashem says, sure, you find me 50 good people, I won't kill them. And Avraham says, oh, there's no 50. There must be 40 good people, 30 good people. There's no good people there. And Hashem is going to destroy the city of Sodom and its surrounding cities. Now, Lot was, Lot was Avraham's nephew. So Avraham Avinu was blessed that the angels went to Lot. And they told him, you got to pack out. We're leaving now. Right, and he leaves, you know the story, the, the people of Sodom try and break down the wall, they become blind. Um, and Lot's daughter-in-law's daughters and son-in-laws don't want to come, so the angels grab Lot's two daughters and wife, and they run, and then Lot's wife, what does she do? You know this part. Turns around. She turns around and she becomes a pillar of salt. That, that the place of, of Sodom today is the Dead Sea. And but as they're running, Lo turns to the angel and he says, "I can't do it. I can't run, run away so fast." And because of Lot, the city, and that's what we're learning here, the city of Soar, which was supposed to be destroyed, was saved. So an individual has a power to save an entire city. And that's what we're learning here, that the person with bitachon, the person with trust in Hashem, he can not only, he not only is not, is not scared of the rulers, he's a blessing for the entire city. So let's review the last three benefits, the last three advantages. So in our conversation, we'll call it advantages and benefits. There's 10 benefits. <laughs> There's a lot of numbers in the gate of trusts. So I hope all of you are good mathematicians. Maisha Mendel, I know, I know that's up your alley. So if, if we need any help, you'll help us. So we're, there's 10 benefits we're going to learn in total. We've learned the first three. And in the third benefit, we learned 10 advantages that the alchemist has. And the final three advantages of the alchemist we learned tonight were that uh, the alchemist is scared to stay in one place. A person with Bitochen could rest calmly in, one, in each place. The ninth one was that the alchemist doesn't go with him when he passes away. Someone who trusts in Hashem, it's fully with him in this world and in the world to come. And the tenth one was that the alchemist is destroying the economic function of the world and, and Hashem and the ruler would um, be the cause of his death if he reveals how things happen. Someone with Bitochen, if he shares how he got his bitachin. Not only is it not scary, but he's going to be a blessing to the city um, and the place he lives. Okay. We're now going to continue with the fourth benefit of bitachin. Now, just a reminder, at the beginning, we said there's 10 benefits. And the first five are more spiritual. They, they help in your spiritual service of Hashem. And the second five 
are more physical. Okay, so we're now up to the fourth benefit in your service of God by having me talk. And here we go. Benefit of trust financial financial satisfaction. What are we going to learn here? We're going to learn money. Money is a is a big burden, so to say. You know, I, I remember when I was in Australia, I once had the opportunity to raise funds for a program we were doing. And I don't know if you're familiar with this, but the way it is in the religious circles, um, in the big communities, is someone who's wealthy. He has a set time every day. People stand outside his house and he lets them in one by one. Um, and he talks with them. He hears what they need. And then he, he makes his decision how much he's going to give them. Any of you ever seen this before, this phenomena? No, it, it's, it's very fascinating. It's, um, and these people, they're big. They, they're, they're big, big Bali Tzedakah. They have a lot of money, but they, they, really, they really support people. So having money is a, is a real responsibility. Um, just one second. I have a note here I wanted to share. Got it. Got it. Yes. Okay. Actually, let me share a story. Nakdimon Ben-Gurion. Anyone heard his name? Anyone heard of Rabbi Akiva? Rabbi Akiva had a father-in-law called Ben-Kalba Savua. Ben-Kalba Savua. Okay, you're, you're familiar with this story, but I'll share it in short again. Ben-Kalba Savua was a very wealthy man. And Rabbi Akiva was a shepherd. He was a, and he was a shepherd for Ben Kalva Savua. Ben Kalva Savua's daughter saw Rabbi Akiva, and they both together decided they're going to marry. So here you have the daughter of basically the richest man in town wants to marry the shepherd. Um, and her father says, "Look, if you do that, I'm disowning you." And that's what he did. He disowned her. Um, and kind of just to jump the story ahead, many years later, when Rabbi Kiva came back home, uh, without knowing Rabbi Kiva was his son-in-law, and Kalva Savua came to the rabbi and he says, Rabbi, I feel terrible. Um, I disowned my daughter and I've decided at this point I want to support her, but I made an oath and I can't just break my oath. So Rabbi Kiva turns to him and he says, if you knew that your son-in-law wouldn't just be a shepherd, he'd be a Torah scholar. Would you have still made the oath? He said, absolutely not. So Rabbi Kiva says, okay, in that case, I'm your son-in-law and your oath is no longer valid. And uh, they were able to make up the father and, and daughter. Um, they ended up living in, in, uh, in prosperity. But I share this because Ben Kalba Savua, he has a very funny name. Ben Kalba means the son of a dog, Kelev. Ben Kalba Savua means he was a satiated dog. What does that mean? It's quite a derogatory term. Actually, it was a big compliment because people that would go to his home hungry like a dog, they left satiated. That's how we got the name. You could be hungry like a dog and you will leave satiated. He was a big machnes Ben Kalba Savua was very rich. And when the city of Jerusalem was surrounded during the siege prior to the destruction, of the, uh, I want to say the second temple. I believe it's the second temple, yes. 
three wealthy people came together and said, we have enough in our storehouses to support everybody here for many, many years. You have nothing to worry about. Um, and those, and one of the people was Ben Kabbalah Savalur, Abikiva's father-in-law, who was very rich. The other one was someone named Naktimayn Ben Goryeh, who was a very wealthy man. Um, amongst the things he used to do is wherever he would walk, the Gemara shares his servants would run ahead of him and put silk rugs that he would walk on. And those silk rugs would be left for poor people to run and get and then sell them in the marketplace. So it was a kind of chesed. You know, it was a way of, give, of, of uh, giving people money without making them feel like you're donating to them. Rather, he was using it for himself. He never needed to walk on silk. Okay, but now you could go and take it. it was, maybe he felt it was more respectful. So he was an incredible person. And yet we learn that he, after the destruction of the base Amigdash, he lost everything. And not only he lost everything, his daughter suffered from incredible, incredible poverty. So much so that the community needed to support her. And the Gemara asks, the Gemara says, I don't understand. We learn that giving tzedakah supports you. What happened? How could it be this very wealthy man, his daughter was subjected to such terrible poverty? And the Gemara says, and this is, this is the line here, he didn't do as much as he should have done. That's what the Gemara says. He was wealthy and he did a lot of good things, but he didn't do as much as he should have done. So his generosity was impressive, but it was insufficient based on his needs. So, so the Nikuda point here is that having money is a very serious responsibility. Um, and in yeshiva, we were always told that if you pray for money, make sure you know how to handle it. And so the this fourth benefit of trust we're, we're going to learn is someone that has money, if he has it, he's able to use it for appropriate things. And if he doesn't have it, he's able to say, I'm blessed not to have that challenge. Let's see that a look. Let's see that insight. Umitayel is benefit of trust financial satisfaction. Umitayel is habitachin bashem ben Among the advantages of having bitachin with regard to observing the commandments of the Torah. One who puts his trust in God is in a better situation than one who doesn't have Bitochim. For if he has money, he will hurry to fulfill his obligations to the Almighty. So someone who trusts in Hashem, if he has money, he's not going to be oi. He knows he's going to fulfill his obligation to Hashem. What's an obligation to Hashem? Buying kosher tefillin, tzitzis, extra food for the Shabbos meals. These are things that are here. We need to do what Hashem tells us. As well as fulfilling his obligations to other people, such as the mitzvah of tzedakah. There's another mitzvah that you should give loans to people in need. A, a yid, right? The Torah says you give loans without interest. And you'll do so willingly and gener generously. So someone who has bitachin, he'll, he won't worry about how much he needs to put into stocks for his grandkids and how he's going to make sure that his grandkids' grandkids will have money. He's, he's able to, he knows first, he takes care of what Hashem needs. I, I want to make sure I'm giving to Daka. 
Now, if he doesn't have money, he'll pay attention to the fact that the lack of money is actually a kindness from God upon him. He'll be able to recognize that not having riches, Hashem is blessing him. This is because as a, as a result of not having money, he has been relieved from the obligations to God and to other people that would have been incumbent upon him due to his money. Having money makes you very responsible to Hashem and to others. In addition, not having that money, he also has fewer worries. I don't need to guard my money. I don't need a garden to take care of it. Right? People that have money, it's a very stressful life worrying about the security of your money. As has been said regarding one of the pious men, he would say, Please, God, save me from the Pizor Hanefesh, scattering of the mind. So people said to him, what do you mean scattering of the mind? Like, well, your mind is scattered. It's in one place. It's in your head. What are you worried about? Amar, he said, you know what I'm worried about? Were I to have money at the port of each river and the top of each city, I mean, then that's very stressful. Your mind is scattered. At one point, your mind is in New York. Another moment, your mind is in California, Florida, Vancouver, Washington, Vancouver, British Columbia. Your mind's all over where your money's invested. So he said, Hashem should save me from my mind being scattering in that way. The who, Masha Amr was Livracha. And this is what the rabbi, the blessed memory, said in the Mishnah, Mar Benechasim, Mar Aga. The more possessions, the more worry. The Amru, and they said, Who is truly wealthy? One who is content with his lot. So not having money, first of all, it doesn't put us into the situation of being responsible to Hashem and to others as well as it allows us much more peace of mind. We don't, our mind is not caught up how our money is doing. But let me flip, flip it around. Having money, we started off in the, same, in the same benefit. Having money is an incredible blessing and use it wisely. So again, we're not saying you shouldn't have money. I want you to have a lot of money. I want you all to have a lot, a lot of money. But not having it reflect that not ha- if you don't have it, also reflect that that's also a blessing. One who trusts in Hashem, but one who has real talking in Hashem, so he'll get all the benefits of the money. Meaning to say, he'll have his livelihood. And remember, we said that someone has a lot of money, their mind is scattered. No, not if you have talking in Hashem. But the disturbing thoughts of a wealthy person and his constant worry will be withheld from him. He's not worried because his stocks go up and down. Fine. Whatever Hashem wants is going to happen. So now David, so Shloim HaMalach, he tells us the following verse. Marbasha, powerful. Here it is. 
מסוקו שנס האויבת עם מעט ועם הרבה יויכה. The sleep of the laborer is sweet, whether he ate little or much. But the satiety of the rich does not allow him to sleep. You could be very rich, but you're not able to sleep at night. So some of the, fifth, the fourth benefit of trust in Hashem is that if you're, if you're filthy rich, which, which God willing you all are, by the way, if you are, let me know. I'll just take maybe the miser. We'll take, we'll take a small percentage. But if you, if you have a lot of money, it's a, you're able to look at it as a blessing. Because you don't need to worry at night about it. Because you trust in Hashem. And if you don't have that money, it's also a blessing because you don't have to deal with the stress of having money. Mark, make sense? Um, yes, it makes total sense. But I'd rather have money than not. You know what? God willing, you should have it and support all those who need it. I'm, I, will, I will wait. No need to wait. Let's do it. No, you know, you shouldn't, we shouldn't need to wait. Let's learn now. We'll conclude with the fifth benefit, the final benefit um, in service of Hashem. The final benefit of trust. Umayhen. Sorry, where are we? Yes, umetayelas habitachin. I'm just lost on the page here. Oh, I didn't follow it. Here, here you go. Here we go. Benefit of trust, financial stability. Umehen ki abeteach ba'ashem lo yimna enuroiv hamamim mitoyach ba'ashem. The final benefit is. People, wealthy people, unfortunately, the wealth often could make you kick Hashem. Let me kick Hashem. You have what you need, so why do I need Hashem? I, I, I got my money. So, you know, right, I'm sure you all you all know the joke about the guy who uh, he davens to Hashem and he say, he's looking for a parking space. And he says, Hashem, if you find me a parking space in Manhattan, I'll do whatever you need. And as he's saying it, you know, a car pulls out, he gets it. He's like, oh, Hashem, you know what? I just got my parking space. It deals off. H- having wealth could be a, a really, could really make someone kick back at Hashem. But someone who trusts in Hashem, you're not relying on the money. This is because the person does not rely on his money. Rather, the money is a deposit, which he has been instructed to use in certain ways and for certain purposes for a designated amount of time. Maybe this is very similar to a, uh, a charity. What do they call, what, what do people have? They have a, in their name, they put money in a fund. Foundation. A foundation. So all, the truth is, all of us have a foundation. There's the Moshe Mendel Foundation, the, the Garrison Foundation. All of us have a foundation. All the money we have is part of that foundation. What does the foundation mean? There's limits. How are you going to use? There's there's requirements, restrictions. How are you going to use that money? All the money we have in our life is part of that foundation, because Hashem has given to us for a certain purpose. Now, 
If someone, the foundation, if your personal foundation will continue to remain with him, he's not going to rebel as a result of it. Now, now that rebelling is one thing. But what about those people who they give charity, but it's really self-pleasing. They say, hey, here's my money. But please make sure that the billboards all are going to constantly be flashing my name for the next few years. I want the shul to have it in my name. I also want to make sure that uh, everyone you talk to, you make it clear that your time is because. And he's not going to remind the one who he has been instructed to be kind to of his kindness. Hey, you remember I got you a coat? You didn't have anything to wear. You remember how poor you were and I took care of you? Nor will he ask him to be repaid for his kindness. No, he has to be thanked or praised. Instead, he's going to thank Hashem who put him in the position to be the means for the goodness of the recipient. So money could easily make you feel that you did someone a favor and they are, they are forever indebted to you. But if you know that Hashem just gave you this money to use for your personal foundation, so you didn't do anybody a favor. You, you did yourself a favor. You used the money the way Hashem gave it to you. You know, I want to I wanna mention, though, um, the Rebbe was very clear that people should be thanked for, for the tzedakah they give. Not only they should be thanked, yes, put their name on buildings, constantly thank them. So why? Why should you do that? the reason being for other people. In other words, Baruch Hashem, where I'm very pleased that, that to announce that Mark has donated the future building on the campus of Jewish life for $6 million. And the reason I'm announcing it tonight is because I want Moshe Mendel to now sponsor, you know, the future building for $12 million. Now, if Moshe Mendel doesn't know who gave the first, so, so in other words, sharing, giving tzedakah is important so that we're, everybody knows we're each supporting each other. But I thought I heard somewhere that you should you should give it anonymously, so nobody knows where it came from. So actually, that's what the Rebbe. So there's a lot of detail here. So I'm not gonna I'm not gonna get into all the nuances. The highest level of charity is giving it anonymously. The Rambam tells us ten levels. However, it's come to a point where we're encouraging people to give it not anonymously. In other words, you should want to do it anonymously. That, that's the best thing. Well, let me also clarify. We're, today we're talking about different than in past years. In past years, you, there, you, there would be a community and you would take money and give it to somebody who needed directly. It was as if I would go to, you would go to someone's home and, and give them money. It was a very personal situation. Um, and that was extremely embarrassing for somebody. Today, when we're talking about uh, publicizing your charity, we're talking about publicizing that you're supporting, you're supporting um, an institution. I don't mean an institution, buildings and, and, and just government run, people running in circles. I mean, you're supporting something that is actively supporting others. Um, and doing that is actually, in our times, we've been encouraged that people should do that so that People should see uh, others giving to that can be encouraged to do do the same as well. Yes.
Um, so, someone that has bitachon, he doesn't need all that recognition. He doesn't need the person to every day say, oh, you saved my life because he, you didn't save my life. Hashem saved my life. You were entrusted with the money to save my life. You were just a vehicle. Now what's going to happen to this rich person if he loses all his money? He wakes up in the morning and all his stock is gone. He's not going to worry or mourn his loss. Instead, he will thank Hashem for taking the deposit away from him, just like he thanked Hashem when Hashem gave it to him. Remember, in Judaism, we have a, we have a rule, the Gemara in Brachas tells us, we thank Hashem for the good and for the bad. And actually, here we're saying, this is not bad. We all know what bad is. Bad is someone getting really hurt, Something terrible happening. Losing money. And, and we're not saying you lost your house. We're just saying you lost your rich your, your riches, but you're still able able to leave. You're still able to live a, a happy life. So you're able, someone with Bitachin is able to thank Hashem, say thank you for the time that I had that opportunity. He's not going to be out to harm other people. He's not going to be looking... Oh, I don't have money, so how could you have money? I'm going to take away your money now. And not only am I going to take away your money, I'm going to be jealous of you, and I'm looking out how to harm you. If, if you have it, I'm so happy that Hashem has blessed you with it. If I don't have it, it's not my time right now to have it. Like the wise man, Shlomo Malach said, Sadik enough. A righteous man eats to satiate his appetite. In other words, at the moment, I'm able to appreciate what I have. So let's review. Five benefits, spiritual benefits, meaning spiritual five benefits that allow you to serve Hashem better by having bitachin. Number one, you're able to feel calm. Number two is you're able to uh, speak what's up, what needs to be said. You're not going to be afraid of other people. Number three is you don't need to worry about um, worldly matters. You're secure, like even more, 10, ten uh, advantages over the alchemist. Someone with bitachin, um, he's able to use his money wisely. He doesn't need to save it. He's able to do what Hashem needs from it. And finally, the final advantage, the final benefit is that having the money, you're able to thank Hashem and not having the money, you're able to thank Hashem. In every situation, you're able to appreciate what you have. Uh, any questions?